Alright, so a few months back, uh, Mark shared a message on vision. And we talked about the three pillars of IRC. Uh, and those three pillars are, are the things that we keep in mind uh, with everything that we do as a church. This is kind of our goal, our focus, where we're headed, right? And so those pillars are a profound love for God, a genuine love for His church, and a demonstrative love for His lost. So if you, if you missed that message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's, it's on the podcast. It's on the website. Um, because it just kind of gives you an idea of where we're headed. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of recap a little bit of it as well. But definitely go back and listen to that message. <clears throat> so those are the, the, those are the three pillars that, that we keep in mind as, as we do things. And um, in that message uh, on vision, Mark shared the, the meanings of profound, genuine, and demonstrative. <clears throat> profound being penetrating or entering deeply into the subjects or thoughts of knowledge, having deep insight or understanding, originating or penetrating to the depths of one's being, being or going far beneath what is superficial, external, or obvious, of deep meaning, of great and broadly inclusive significance, pervasive or intense, thorough and complete. And then genuine, possessing the claimed or attributed character, quality or origin, not counterfeit, authentic, and real, free from pretense, uh, affectation, or hypocrisy, sincere, descended from the original stock, pure in breed, and then demonstrative, characterized by or given to open exposition or expression of one's emotions, attitudes, etc., especially love or affection, serving to demonstrate, explanatory or illustrative, serving to prove the truth of anything indubitably and conclusive. A profound love for God, a demonstrative love for his, or sorry, a genuine love for his church, and a demonstrated love for his lost. That's where we're going. And how we're going to get there is included in those pillars. Love, love, love. It's love. We have to grow in love. Love for God and love for each other. God's love is profound. It's complete. It's thorough. It's genuine. It's demonstrative. It's the most demonstrative love we could ever know. And like everything else in our lives as Christians, we want our love to look like our Father's love. We want it to look like His. And our pillars are in alignment with God's heart. Love is important to God. The word love is found in the Bible nearly 200 or 350 times. <clears throat> One of those times is in Matthew 22. I love this verse. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together, one of them a lawyer, and asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Jesus tells us to love God and love each other. I love those verses. It's just so simple. He makes it so simple for us. There are so many things as a church that we could focus on, that we could aspire to or strive to, 
But if we aspire to love the Lord and love each other, everything else is just covered by that. I see this like I see Matthew 6.33, which says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But love is the same way. If our focus is on Jesus and his love for us and his love for others, and we are just flowing through that love, all the other things will be added unto us. All the other things will fall into place. Other things are needed and important, but love is the most important. I love this verse as well. 1 Corinthians, or series of verses, 13, 1 through 8. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. If we skip down to verse 13. But now faith, hope, love. Abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. I love how simple Jesus made this for us, guys. When, when Mark shared on our vision series, he, he shared from Habakkuk 2.2. It says, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Jesus made it simple. Love him and love each other. Love never fails. All of it starts with our love for God. And our love should be increasing. Our love should always be growing for the Lord. When I first met my wife, and I know this is going to surprise her, I didn't know if I loved her. I knew she was beautiful. And I knew... You know, there wasn't like love at first sight, but there was attraction at first sight. I don't know. But I didn't know if I loved her. I really don't feel like you can have a profound love, a deep love for somebody that you don't know. But through spending time with her, going on dates, just talking and dreaming, love between us grew. I grew in love for her. We shared experiences. We just we shared our dreams, our thoughts. We laughed together. We dreamed together. And eventually we ended up getting married, starting a family. And I love her more today than any day before now. And I'm going to continue to love her every day until my last day. But that's how love is. Jesus' love for us is profound. It's unchanging. But his love for us doesn't need to grow. Did you know that? His love for us doesn't need to grow. His love is complete. You know, love grows through relationship and intimacy. But Jesus knows us. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Matthew 10.30 says, but the very hairs on your head are all numbered. God knows us inside and out. And he loves us. He knows us intimately. And he's known us even before we were formed. His love for us was profound, penetrating, thorough, complete. And it's okay if our love for him isn't there yet. It's okay. It's where we're going. It's not necessarily where we are. In John 21, we see an interaction between Peter and Jesus. And there are two words here used for love. Agapeo and phileo. They both translate as love, but agapeo is more of a a deep love, to love dearly. And phileo is more like the love of a friend, to approve of someone or to like them. And so I'm going to call out these different words that are used in this passage. So in John 21, 15 through 17, it says this. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love agape, agapeo, me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, phileo you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love agapeo me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, phileo you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Many believe that Peter was grieved by this, not only because Jesus asked him three times if he loved him, but also because of the parallel between this and Peter's denial of Jesus. Before he was crucified, Peter told Jesus that he would die for him. In Matthew 26, 33-35, it says, But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly, I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing too. But friends, we don't have to grieve. We don't have to grieve. It's okay if we're not there yet. But we do need to grow. We do need to grow. We just need to spend time with him. Like developing my relationship with my wife, we spend time with him. And we dream with him. And we laugh with him. And we see his faithfulness and his love for us. And and we grow in love with him. That's where we want to go. We want to have a profound love for God. We also want to grow in love for his church. Jesus' love for his church is genuine. It's authentic, real, and pure. His church is his bride. It's his people, and he loves the church deeply, and so should we. Just as we grew in love for Jesus and grow in love for Jesus, we should grow in love with his church and his people. You know, there are people that say they love God, They don't want to be involved with the church or whatever, for whatever reason. But the church is his bride. If you love Jesus, you have to love his church too. John 13, 34 and 35 says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. 
That word for love in this passage is also agape. So Jesus asks us to have a love for one another that's deep, that we dearly love each other. When people come into our church, that's what we want them to see, that deep agape love. We want to be known by our love. And I believe we do this well. But we can always continue to grow in love. Genuine love is one of commitment, and it takes commitment to be in relationship. We are all part of one body with Jesus as the head, and the body should be connected. We should be growing together. Relationship and connection can be difficult at times. We're not always as loving or thoughtful as we should be. But we need to be committed to relationship and guard our unity. And if we're focused on love, we can do that. 1 Peter 4.8 says this, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, if, if you didn't know this, there's a few different words in the Bible that are translated as sin. They're not all the same. But in this passage, the word used is hamartia, and it means to miss the mark or to error. Like in archery, sometimes we miss the mark. We're shooting for the bullseye, and sometimes we don't even hit the target. But if we're fervent in our genuine love for one another, it covers our shortcomings. It gives us the grace that we need to to stay connected and committed in relationship. And just like our love for God, our love for each other as, as the church grows through relationship and intimacy and time as well. So there's lots of things that we can do to grow and connect together. Discipleship's one of them. Mark mentioned this during our vision uh, series as well. We spent 10 weeks on discipleship. And that is definitely um, something that takes commitment. But it demonstrates a genuine love for his church. Just growing and sharpening one another. Connect groups. We are so, so excited that we've got connect groups starting because, again, that's a way for us outside of our Sunday service to just get together, know each other, connect and grow together. NCMI gatherings. The church goes beyond the walls of our church. And that's why we stress uh, NCMI gatherings so much. I I think sometimes people don't really understand what what they're about, but it's about connecting with his church outside of us. I love uh, the relationships that we have uh, through NCMI and and really even outside of NCMI with other churches, other pastors, other bodies of believers. These opportunities to connect are available to all of us. We've had a good number of folks come here to pour into our body, and that's through those connections that we make with, with others within the body. And we have opportunities to go to other churches as well. Last year, uh, Mark and David and I got to join Turning Point Church's Men's Advance in California. And it was amazing. We just got to go there and connect with other men in the body and pour into them and sharpen them and just love on them. And and it's just awesome. And, And these opportunities are available to everyone. I know it's not always easy. Sometimes there's a time constraint or a financial constraint or whatever it is, but we should definitely make the time to grow together. Our fellowship is important to growing in love. And from that love for one another and through our fellowship, we can see others saved. In Acts 2, 42-47, it says this, 
They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as any may have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love the picture painted here. Just the fellowship, the relationship, people caring for each other's needs, having meals, growing in love. This is something that people want to be a part of. It says that the Lord added daily to their numbers those who were being saved. Our genuine love for his church should be extending to his lost as well. We should be inviting those that don't know Christ into our fellowship. We need to be growing in love for his lost. Growing in love for God and his church is developed through relationship and intimacy, spending time with God and each other. But I think growing in love for his lost comes from our growing in love for him. You know, it's easier when you've got this relationship with Jesus and you're spending time with him and you're seeing his faithfulness and his goodness and you're growing in love and all of us together as we're going. And But, but the loss, some of them are people we know. Some of them are friends that we've had for years that just still don't know the Lord. But there are so many that we just don't know, that we're not connecting with. And so it's easy when, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind, right? So this is something where I think as we grow in, in our heart for our Father and we know His heart for the lost, we, we adopt His heart for the lost. We want the Father's heart for the lost. God's love is demonstrative and ours should be as well. Jesus sought out the lost. He met with them in their homes. He, you know, he ate with sinners. He had meals with them. We need to show those that don't know Him the love that He has for them. His lost are of great value to him, and they should be to us as well. The lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, they all still have value even though they, they were lost. And there's many ways we can demonstrate his love to the lost. <clears throat> he demonstrated his love by just being with them, spending time with them in their homes. We should all have friends that are lost. And I know it's challenging that, you know, life gets busy and, you know, we're doing church stuff or whatever. And, and there's times, and I'm guilty of it too, where I, I go months and months and months and without connecting with, with my friends that I've known for a long, long time that still don't know the Lord. But that's something that we all need to, to keep in mind. That, you know, if we're, if we're not hanging out with people that don't know Him, we're missing out on opportunity. And it doesn't have to be difficult. Guys, we just be ourselves. We just be ourselves. We love on them. And Jesus' love for them shines through. We can pray for them. Even though they may not currently believe, we can pray for them. We don't have to worry about what they might think or how they might respond. I've prayed for a good number of people at work that were having a hard time, facing something difficult. And it's always been awesome. 
Never once have I had any negative response from that. If they know that you love Jesus and you're willing to take the time to pray for them, it demonstrates to them the love that Jesus has for them, that you care and that Jesus cares. Even if they're a total stranger and don't you don't know anything about them or they don't know anything about you, prayer demonstrates God's love for them. Jesus may have been speaking to them for some time and they're ignoring it, they don't think it's him, whatever. And the prayer that you pray over them may solidify in their heart that, yeah, God's reaching out to me. Chosen that you care and that he cares for them. We have to see the value in his lost. We need to grow in love for them. When we love something or perceive something to be of value to us, we'll search for it endlessly. Have you ever seen people search in the neighborhood when their dog gets out? Like, they'll scour and call out, and the neighborhood will gather together and join in, and everyone's searching for the lost dog. And don't get me wrong, I love my dogs. If they got out, I'd be one of them. Hey, Prancer, where'd you go? Or whatever. But, you know, people will drive around for hours. I remember one time I lost my wedding ring. My wife knows, so I'm not getting in trouble. We were playing softball after church one day, and uh, I don't play sports often enough, obviously, and uh, I didn't have a glove, so my brother-in-law let me borrow a glove, and we played softball, and we were wrapping up, and everyone's getting ready to go, and I realized my ring's gone. It's gone down, too, because it won't fit, but I know where it is. So I realized it wasn't gone. Or it wasn't there. And so I started looking, and I, I grabbed everyone else. Guys, I lost my ring. I don't know where it's at. It's got to be somewhere in the field. So I searched, and I searched, and other people helped, and they searched, and they searched. And, I mean, it was just, it seemed hopeless, but I, I was heartbroken. You know, this wasn't just a ring to me. This was a symbol of the love that my wife and I shared. And so I wanted to find it. I, I wasn't going to leave until I found it. And eventually it, it, it started getting windy, and started raining and people are like, hey, you know, I love you, gotta go, bye. And so eventually, I, I had to call off the search. You know, I searched while it was raining for a while and, you know, I eventually I just, there was no, no more I could do. But I was heartbroken. Because when I think about this story, I usually have to fight back tears. Because it just reminds me that that's the love that Jesus has for his lost. He'll search and search and search. His love for us is reckless and unending. It's always searching. It's always pursuing. A love that won't give up until he finds his precious lost son or daughter. That's the love that we want to grow in for his lost. A demonstrative love. A love that requires action. When we begin to see his lost as he sees them, it changes our hearts. It won't be just another ring or a lost pet. And those are important, and and God cares for those too. But how much more precious, how much more precious is a lost son or daughter of, of God? We just need to see that that value. Be willing to search for it. 
Friends, this is the love that God pursued us with. Think back to when you came to know the Lord. I guarantee you, everyone has a story of just how relentlessly he pursued you. As I kind of alluded to earlier, the story of my wedding ring does have a happy ending. Even though I eventually gave up, the Lord knew how much it meant to me. That day at the park, I had borrowed that glove from my brother-in-law. And so obviously he took it with him when he left. But a year later, he was going to play softball with somebody else, and he stuck his hand in the glove, and when he pulled the glove off, my ring was on his finger. God is so good, guys. He is so good. And he wants us to share his goodness with the world. As Mark alluded to earlier, this this month of February, this last month was a, a time of fasting for us. And, you know, throughout that time of fasting and prayer, the Lord just gave me this picture. And, and I'm telling you, it's the most vivid picture that the Lord's ever given me. He gives me a lot of pictures, but sometimes they're a little foggy or hazy or details left out. But this was like crystal clear. And it was it was like a beach scene. And so the, all of us, the whole church, we were all out on the beach doing various things, building sandcastles, dipping our toes in the water, playing frisbee, whatever, right? <clears throat> and behind us on the beach, there's a lifeguard stand. And Jesus sat in the seat of that lifeguard stand. And he was looking out. He wasn't looking at us. I'm sure he was, you know, tending to us too and keeping an eye. But for the most part, he was, he was looking out. And as we'd be doing our things on the beach, the wind would blow. And as the wind would blow, people would wash up to shore. And as they did, we would stop what we were doing and go and help them and take them up to Jesus. And he would heal their wounds and take care of them. And then they would join us on the beach. And this happened for a while. And then Jesus pointed out and he said, look. And we look up and you could see all these people floating around in the sea in various places. And he said, the wind of my spirit is blowing. And then you would see people. There was a, like a swim, designated swim area with like the floating rope. And then beyond that, there were like buoys and rocks and different things. And there are people just white knuckle gripped onto these things, rocks and different things. And the Lord said, again, the wind of my spirit is blowing, but not all will come all the way to the beach. I need you to go get them for me. I need you to go get them for me. They need to know that the things that they're holding on to, the things that they're gripping on to, they think it's a safe place, but I am their safe place. Go and get them. Friends, the Lord is speaking. The Lord is speaking. Revival is coming to our town, guys. And as Mark said, that's not just stirring us up, but that's seeing people saved. That's seeing his kingdom expand and grow. So we got to keep our eyes up, friends. we got to be on the lookout. Jesus didn't ask us to get every single person, but when he points someone out, we we got to be obedient. We gotta swim out beyond the, the designated swim beach, the, the areas of our safe places. We've gotta be willing to swim out and get those people for Jesus. 
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a demonstrative love, friends. One that sacrificed Himself for us. He gave His life for all of us. He pursues His found and His lost. He loves us all. So let's point people to Him. Let's invite them into this place. Let's invite them into our connect groups. Don't let our connect groups just be church gatherings. Bring in your neighbors. Bring in your friends. Let's fellowship and have meals with them. And let's see the Lord add daily to those being saved. A profound love for God. A genuine love for His church. And a demonstrative love for His lost. Let's grow in love, church. Let's grow in love. That's the vision. That's the destination. And if we grow in love, we're going to get there.